Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with Chris. Yo! And we're coming at you in between periods here with the Blues leading Philadelphia 1-0 right now. Yep. Technically, so, we are uh, now two minutes into the third. There you go. So I was waiting on uh, doing some stuff. So there we go. So we're going to go through this, and maybe we'll have some live updates, because I think it looks like Chris is watching the game yep. as we record here. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about, even though we just recorded six days ago, which is uh, crazy. So... Uh, Blues have their lone all-star, which is pretty blatantly obvious. Um, yeah. Yeah, AHL got their uh, all-star, which is kind of obvious, the way he was tearing things up. Um, a lot of recalls and send-downs, send a couple of surprises. Yeah. Um, Jordan Bennington is making the, his first NHL start right now and doing pretty well, so I just jinxed yeah. him. Yeah, I guess. So, um, yeah, and then we have two games, just two games to go over. One really good game, one – we fell flat on our face again game, which is yeah. – and we got a ton of injuries to talk about too all of a sudden. Injuries yeah. – Because uh, that's always fun. That happens every year. Yeah, so it's going to be that time of year where injuries are piling up. Questionable uh, – I didn't like tonight's – they're sitting Fabry tonight. I didn't like that. And I really bit him in the butt because uh, Steen got hurt the first, what, six minutes in, seven minutes into the game. Yep. And then Barbershev got hurt too. So they were down to like nine forwards at one time. So uh, – yeah. So anyway, we got a lot to like I said, a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's roll ahead and see what we got here. We'll do the game recaps first. Let's get that out of the way first. We're getting all the news. Yep. So the Blues welcome the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals to town. And with Alexander Ovechkin, former blue TJ Oshie, former blue Lars Eller, uh, leading the way. So the Capitals kind of struggling here lately, but still doing well this season at a uh, 24, 12 and three. Hey, yep. look, a little bit of a rough patch. Oh, she just came back from injury. So we'll see how things turn out. So four minutes in exactly. Robert Thomas continuing to start to play very, very well. It gets his fourth of the year from Bortuzzo and Schwartz. Schwartz basically strips the puck in the corner uh, along with Thomas and they cycle it back to Bortuzzo who takes a shot and Thomas redeflects it, uh, redirects it past Braden Holtby for his fourth of the year. I tell you, we mentioned it on the last podcast, and <clears throat> this game was just more of uh, an example of it, that Robert Thomas is becoming stronger and more of an NHL-caliber center with every game he plays. And the way he's playing as a true rookie, there's no doubt in my mind that we're looking at a top six, if not premier top three uh, forward and definitely, I would say, our first line center in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think he's just uh, starting to figure it out at 19 years old. Imagine when he's just 22, you know, that'd be three years from now. He'll be uh, pretty good. Like you said, definitely a top six guy. I'm not going to try to peg him for anything more than that. So I'll take a top you know six think, guy who contributes. You know what I think is great is that we have him right now surrounded by some really, really good centermen in their prime when you look at players like Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly and even Tyler Bozak. You know, all three of those guys are are solid centermen. And, um, you know, I, I think, unfortunately – 
one of those guys, and we'll probably get into it when we talk about you know possible trade rumors. One of those three guys who's helping to mold Robert Thomas will ultimately find himself without a place to play in St. Louis because of it. But uh, I think it's great that we have him on the team this year with three other good centermen for him to learn from. Yeah, so exactly. So um, like he continues to get better, but the Blues wind uh, up getting tied here. Of course, Alexander, Alexander Ovechkin is 30th from Kepney and Carlson at the 15-34 mark. One-to-one beats Jake Allen just over his right pad. Pretty pretty good shot from a pretty good player. So nothing I can really fault there. No, uh, I mean, look, that guy is all world. And yeah. um, it, it's – what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's like the Crosby goal the game before against Pittsburgh. What are you going to do? Like that guy set up in the shop and just sniped one past Allen. Yeah, so nothing to do there. So – Blues lose the lead here, which is a common theme this year. Brett Connolly gets his ninth year from Eller and Kevney. Connolly pretty much gets like a breakaway here, and Jake Allen surprisingly makes the initial save on a breakaway, but then uh, Connolly gets his own rebound and uh, bangs it home for his ninth of the year, and the Blues are down three minutes into the second period. Yep. So, but they come roaring back, and Colton Preco off a really nice feed from Ryan O'Reilly, who's streaking in on the – uh, right side of the goalie, left side of the rink, uh, gets his eighth of the year on the power play from O'Reilly and Perron. O'Reilly was in the, I guess, uh, if you're looking at the goalie, uh, he's on the right side of the goalie and yeah. on the uh, push the goal line and puts a perfect pass past a ton of guys. And Preco made a really smart move and moved in from the point and then got a shot just past Braden Holpe. Blues take, or excuse me, the Blues tie the game up uh, at the 12 minute mark. It's nice to see and, us finally get some power play action going. Yeah, and it actually it looked cohesive for once. Uh, yeah. But four yeah. minutes later, uh, I, having a great year, and I this is something I never would – of anything this year, I never would have predicted Oscar Sundquist having seven even-strength goals. I uh, believe I, – I need to look this up. He is either tied or one behind – time the number of goals he had in his whole career up until this season this season i believe that's correct because i believe he's really close last year i think he had like one or two yeah he had had a couple in pittsburgh when my buddy from pittsburgh was in town because he asked he specifically asked you know how's sunquist doing for you kind of laughing about it i pull up the stats and i believe that going into the season sunquist had a career seven or eight goals yeah, so he's doing real great. So he gets a, the goal from Barbashev Petrangelo, the 1633 mark. The Blues take the lead going into the third period. So what are the Blues going to do? Are they going to fold? Are they going to actually maybe play a good th- third period? They wind up playing the probably their best third period all season long. It they was hold, a really good period of hockey. Yeah, they actually attacked uh, Washington, uh, did a really good job of uh, hemming them in their own zone. They only had two. Washington only had two shots on goal this period, which is that's insane for a team of that much firepower is that's, saying something. That's that is incredible team defense. Uh, off a scramble, Alexander Petrangelo gets his fifth of the year from Perron and O'Reilly, the five forty four mark, and Tyler Bozak wraps it up with a uh, steal and a breakaway goal, snipes it past Braden Holpe, and the Blues win this one five to two off the reigning Stanley Cup champions once again. A question that we ask after the Blues have a really good game. 
are they going to be able to keep this thing rolling and play against the New York Islanders, who uh, are not having the greatest season, but they have one of the lowest, they have the lowest goals against in NHL after having the worst goals against last year. So you can say like the outside, they lost probably the best player in John Tavares. I don't think that's Um, probably, I think that's a for sure. Yeah. They, you know, they're, you know, Barzell's pretty good, but yeah, the lost Tavares in free agency didn't really replace him. All they really did is get a new coach and actually got a different goalie who was a kind of reclamation project and Robin Leonard from uh, Buffalo. Yep. And they're, and once again, I'm kind of proved, I think a lot of us have said, if you get the right coach and maybe the blue situation, maybe things will turn around. I'm not saying it will, but obviously over a season to implement their system, the Islanders have shown they can let, they just need more firepower, obviously up front. That's been their issue. They can't score goals this season. Absolutely. Last year they could, they could score them at will, and but they were letting in a ton. Right. This year they're locking things down like a Barry's Trots team does. But not scoring much, so maybe they'll get some more firepower in New York. Maybe they can they'll score more. Uh, they're still doing pretty well. They're 20, uh, 22, 13, and four going to this game, just slightly behind um, Washington, who was just here. So who do you? So how do we think it's going to turn out? So they're going to look great and awful. Yeah. So the Blues come out doing really well. Braden Shen gets the. Uh, rebound goal here, his eighth. He finally breaks his scoreless streak of 10 games from Schwartz and Bomeister at the, excuse me, 411 mark. Zach Sanford back in the lineup and just re- freshly recalled. Gets his fifth of the year from Dunn and Bozak at the 1637 mark. So off a of deflection from Dunn, the Blues look great in the first period. I mean, they have a lot of shots against, looking really good. 10 to 6 in the shots in the first period. Everything's looking great. 2-0 on the scoreboard, and that's even more impressive. Yeah. So second period rolls around, and off kind of a scramble play, Matt Martin gets his fifth of the year from Zizekas and Clutterbuck at the 225 mark. This line was really <laughs> effective against the Blues. I don't know if it's because of their bigger line that throws their weight around or what, but they seem to be the best, one of the best lines on the uh, ice. I agree. For at least the first two periods until the third period kind of happened. Like I thought they were the only team, the only line that New York kind of had that was had any kind of kind of anything going on, and uh, they were able to capitalize here. So it's two to one after two. Weirdly, there is only a total of eight shots for New York right now, to eighteen for the Blues. The Blues are outplaying them at this point. Um, you can say what you want about the goal. Matt Martin was kind of a scramble play, and he kind of was left in front and it squeaked underneath Jake Allen's arm. Uh, say what you want there. But third period rolls around. So the, once again, Blue is going to play well like they did against Washington. Or are they going to fold like they have many other times this year? And unfortunately, it's hey. the latter. <laughs> it's, it's Yes, answer B. So they fin- wind up falling flat on their face. And – I want to get your opinion on this because this is kind of a hot button topic on the the Twitters on after the game. Yep. Um, was it the Blues backing off and playing prevent maybe like a prevent defense and not attacking like they did against Washington, or was Jake Allen playing like uh, Jake Allen? Um, I think it was a bit of both. I won't put it all on the team. I think they still were pressing. I mean, they just couldn't score a goal. Well. They did at one point score a goal in the third period. They just didn't have the, the goal they pulled, yeah. They did, uh, the first two. Um, look, man, you, you can cut it however you want. 
Four goals on 14 shots is unacceptable. Correct. Uh, it, point, 7-1 save yeah. percentage. Yeah, that's just not acceptable for an NHL goalie. And, you know, what is also troublesome to me is there seems to be a very Jake Allen-esque problem of giving up multiple goals in less than a minute. Yeah, so this had like, uh, Everly and Boychuk, Boychuk scored within uh, 11 seconds of each other. Yeah, and, and to me, that again is a, a mental issue. You, you, If you're a goalie, you have to be able to shake off a goal. Even if you know it's a bad one that you needed to have back, you got to stay in the game. And in 11 seconds, this team went from being up 2-1 to one to down 3-2. to two. And, yeah. you know, when you do that, and as has been reported within the old locker room, you have a team that's mentally fragile, you knew it was done. As soon as they scored those two goals and we went down 3-2, I knew it was over. I knew it was over. Um, now, the team fought, but... Man, we can get into it like some, and we've said it before, something ain't right with Vladimir Tarasenko because that dude had a couple of chances in the third period that an old Vladimir Tarasenko, and what had. 10 out of 10. And this time, no, nah, man, he looks like a third string winger. He looks like a third line dude going in there shooting. There's just, there's nothing behind the shot. I, I don't know what the issue is, but something's wrong. Yeah, and uh, another stat I'll throw out there. I don't have it for Vladimir Tarasenko, but another person who I think is struggling as well to get a uh, goal, which he had a fantastic uh, chance tonight, was Jaden Schwartz, and Carter Hart made yeah, a really good save. Let me uh, tell you about Jaden Schwartz. So I'll, here's this. Oh, go ahead. I'll pack his bag up and take him to the airport tonight. So this stat will maybe uh, help further your case for that, Ben, because since uh, he's had, uh, since his last goal, 80 shot attempts, uh, 49, of, uh, yeah, 49 on goal. And no goals. So, I, I saw, man, I need to put my glasses on. So 60 attempts, 49 on goal. Can we have a quick conversation about the fact that this team continues? I know we did it last podcast. This team can't hit the goal. Yeah, I noticed a lot of like they shoot like to the far side of the net and then try like a def- like I don't know like a pounce play off the boards. They shoot wide for a deflection a lot. A lot. It, that, that just seems like not the way to go. Like I'd rather just throw it on net and see what happens. It's, That's just me. It's cool but, if you have the people in front to deflect it or someone on the off wing to 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 get the the shot pass off the board, but it never happens. Yeah, it's been awfully uh, interesting, to say the least. Uh, Jaden Schwartz hasn't super been talked about. People obviously about Vladimir Tarasenko being the uh, you know all-star, very, very good superstar that he is, has been struggling this year. Uh, you were talking the last three years. He, you think he's been struggling, hasn't been himself. I and think ever since he got that injury, and I believe that was against the Sharks in the Western Conference Final. Yeah. Is that when he got the separated shoulder? Uh, no, that was uh, last year against the uh, – was that the – I thought it was against last year against Colorado, the last game of the year. Well, oh, you're right. You're right. Well, yeah, so, I, don't still. Think, I don't think he's been up to, him, up to his usual level since that season. But I think for sure he has not been right since that hit in Colorado. 
I can definitely say that. And I also thought I brought the point, which maybe I, I can't remember if you agree with me or not, that uh, also if you coincide it with, it's also coincides with the coaching change with Ken Hitchcock going, getting forced out and Mike Yo coming in. Yeah. Uh, do you think it could be possibly there's not a coach maybe pushing him hard enough and kind of letting him do his thing, which maybe he needs someone to push his buttons and tell him like, hey, like obviously how many times do we see Harrisonko snap at Hitchcock and, you know, on the bench, like, you know, he's trying yep. to get him going. He snap at him. Maybe he needs somebody like that to motivate him. Um, I don't know. Like Some players do. Some yeah. players need a heavy-handed coach. Some players don't. Yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, for example, how many years did we see um, to last year? Maybe Alexander Ovechkin, well, he wasn't the complete player. He was always that one kind of like guy who sat in a spot on the power play or a very dynamic goal scorer, but he never was a good two-way player. How many times right. did we have the um, gif of the, like, the controller not connected like where he would just stop and then just, he just coast and then a goal and then guy would blow by him and he would, the other team would score and he would just stand there and not play defense. And now it took him, maybe, maybe he's like that. Maybe it's going to take him, unfortunately, a longer time to figure it out than we want. Uh, but still, I think it's more the injury this year than anything. I think the injury, and I think, I think the weight of the team not doing well is something that he's having trouble with. I think it's, that's part of it for sure. I mean, I would say that aside from his first year as a blue, this is probably the most adversity he's faced on the team. Yeah. Cause the first year he was at the blues and he started out kind of like on the fourth line yeah, and had to work his way up and he had scratched some games or in the playoffs. playoffs. We, he had scratched in the playoffs and stuff. And everybody was like, why are you scratching a guy that could, potentially be a really good uh yeah you know player to help you out and then he wound up you know becoming the player that he has been um some people might say is he is trying to be one of the leaders on a team weighing on him i don't think he is uh, honestly dude i the more i watch him the more i think that he does not want to be the leader of this team i think he just wants to be a guy who can show up and do his thing and go home and that's fine that's totally fine by me as long as we have somebody there to be the leader and hold him accountable. And I think that is where between not having a coach to do it and not having a captain to do it, things fall short. Yeah. So I could be, that's like, I think that's also part of the issue. Like we talked many times on the podcast already about how Petrangelo seems very like follow my lead type guy, but I'm not going to get in your face or, you know, scream at guys type player. Yeah. Remember Backus and him. Remember Backus and Tarasenko fought at practice one time. One hundred percent. So maybe that's just everybody has their own style of, you know, getting the getting the best out of them. Like you know, some people at work maybe need to be more. So they need a manager more hands on. Some people like their manager to be hands off. So maybe yep. with Tarasenko, Absolutely. you need to be more hands on with them and push them and push the right buttons and put them in situations that you think that he can be successful. It sounds weird. It sounds weird to say to a player who's you know five, six years into his seven years into his career, but maybe that's what you have to do. You know what? Athletes are athletes are weird. They're they're very much like artists in in regards to they're all a little quirky and they all have their idiosyncrasies and things that they like. And um, you know, no two are the same. You can't just broad stroke them all with one brush. And I, I think that you might be right. I think in the case of Tarasenko, I think he needs a authoritarian coach like a Ken Hitchcock. I mean, keep in mind, they're talking about a kid who grew up in the Soviet system. That's pretty authoritarian, top to bottom. 
So uh, I'm sure that he's used to being in situations where it's don't think, do. Here's what we're doing. Go out and execute. And yeah. that seemed to pretty much be the Ken Hitchcock plan. And Tarasenko thrived under that. Yeah, and that's why I think a coach that you need is a coach. The next coach that comes in, I lean more towards a coach. I think the, a lot of these players need is somebody like a, and not even a, even if it's not Joel Quenville. You need a player who you need a coach that uh, has yeah. have a proven track record. I agree, and gets it and gets the most out of his players. I mean, I I, I, honestly, outside Joel Quenville, without doing research, I'd have to figure that out. But the, out of the people available right now, I would have to say. Joel Quenville, maybe you have to look in at Elaine Vigneault, possibly. I don't know. I'd have to look into that more than anything. You know, so I think that's who you got to look at. So, uh, one on one this week so far. Blues still winning right now. We are 9.50 left in the third, and it is still one nothing good, guys. Yeah, so we'll take it. So, that's Braden Shen with the goal tonight. So, goals and back to back games. So, maybe he's starting to heat up uh, since he has uh, so those trade rumors about him going to Boston. I don't really believe Jimmy Murphy too much, but that's out there now. So, we'll see if that actually turns out to be anything. Um, what is your thought on Jeremy Rutherford's take that uh, our boy Pat Maroon, floor hockey legend Pat Maroon, there you go. move uh, sooner than later? So, yeah, that kind of came out uh, via, we won't say who the tweet was from. There was a tweet earlier this week saying that there should be movement and possibly he was getting waived on the Saturday, the, uh, what was it, the fourth, fifth, whatever that was. And uh, nothing really happened. He got sat that game. Pat Dude, did for a healthy scratch. Blues. Guess who scored? Tarasenko, because we just talked about right. it. <laughs> see? Well, we that's how it works. You see? That's how it works. We talk about them and then stuff happens. So, good news there. Um, and that means Tarasenko has scored against all 31 teams. Also, same oh, with Braden his last one? Yeah, and also Braden Shen, same way. He has scored against all 31 teams now, officially. Got it. Wow. So good for them. So, um, like you're saying, the Pat Maroon thing about possibly in a wave, he, things that just haven't worked out, man. He just looks, unfortunately, <laughs> he just looks like so, like that. I don't know if the back, he says the back is not bothering him, according to the uh, back or knee or whatever is not bothering him. Yeah. Um, but he just looks a step slow, and I just don't know what it is, I man. Agree. Like he always seemed, he could keep up with Connor McDavid, like not even a couple years ago. He seemed like just fine keeping up with him, even, even with Taylor Hall. Yeah, so he, he seemed fine there, and it just seems this year just seems off. I, I don't know I what agree. it is, and, and I don't know if it's a nagging injury. I don't know if it's just not having the chemistry with the people that he's on the line with. But uh, look, I think we all wanted this to work out. He obviously had come into his own in Edmonton and continued it in, in New Jersey. Um, but I think it's safe to say that the Pat Maroon experiment in St. Louis is by and large oh, a bust. A one, it's a one-season thing. Yeah, so. and my thought process is this. You got a guy who still has equity in the league. I think it's safe to say that he's not going to sign another one-year deal in St. Louis. Yeah, I would think so. Not for that money. So you have a guy who's going to go and try to get his money next season. So why not trade him and get something, even if it's a fourth or a fifth round pick, get something for him instead of just letting him walk away. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – I would love to have Pat Maroon play the whole season out, 
I I really really thought that he could be our new. I don't want to say Ryan Reeves because he's got much more skill than Ryan Reeves. You know, Ryan Reeves has 14 points this year. I dare I say he could have been our new David Backus. Well, at least a guy you thought had had some good hands and could possibly put in like maybe 10 to 15 goals. Let's yeah. say that at least. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, it just hasn't materialized here. He he looked good at the start of the season on the power play, though he couldn't put one in. He's been a healthy scratch a handful of games. That, that can't be sitting well with him. I I think that, you know, with the status of this team, winning one, losing one, look, this team's not going to make the playoffs. So why not move him to a team that's contending that could use a big body and get something in return as opposed to just having a handshake from him and at the end of the year and going, you know, best wishes on your future endeavors. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of know when to cut your losses. And I, and I don't mean that with any disrespect to Pat Maroon, but this season is what it is. It just hasn't worked out here with him. So move them and get something, get something on your return. Yeah. So uh, looking at the article, just going over real quick. So, uh, Basically, Rutherford kind of broke it down to two things that could happen. Uh, they can threaten Maroon with limited playing time, extra skating, and effort to get him to comply with waiving his no-trade clause, or they can, they can trade him. Full no-trade? Um, it turns into a partial. He has a full no-trade until February 1st, and then it turns into a only, a, I think it's 10-team. Here, hang on. I'm pulling up. Uh, yes, it means on February 1st through 25th, the team will have the flexibility of trading him to 22 other teams. I mean, so look, he has only an eight-team trade list on February first. At, at this point, you're looking at three weeks, and the All-Star breaks in the middle of that. Yeah. So, just wait it out. Wait for the full no trade to turn into a partial no trade, and then deal them. Yeah. So it looks like a probably a fifth rounder. I mean, like I said, if you want to get something out of them, if you can't, if, if you can't, I guess you can, they can try to send them to the minors where you get less of a cap hit but i mean if you're really not gonna worry about the cap i mean honestly he's got pushed around the lineup a whole bunch um i don't think he's bad enough that we need to put him in the minors i mean he's serviceable for us my whole point is that you're obviously not going to resign him because he's not going to sign for what you want so if that's the case then move him and get something now if you test the market and there's no market for him then play out the year, and then he walks. Yeah. But if you can move him now and get something for him, do it. Why not? Yeah, so here's a – this is the most interesting paragraph that I found, uh, so I'll read it very quickly. The analogy is appropriate. As scouts who have watched Maroon, never the swiftest of skaters, believe the speed of the game has caught up to him. The club knew knew that coming into the year, but was kind on him playing with more intensity and better practice habits than it has witnessed. That makes me see. That makes that makes me uh, think that they obviously Rutherford actually talked to. Obviously has the sources and stuff. He didn't just throw stuff like that out there. So obviously, is he one of the things we're talking about? Divided locker room or guys that are say, "Hey, I come in, I do my job, and I'm leaving," type thing? Because that's what Rutherford talked about. There's too many of those guys that are out there. So that makes me think that he comes in there and he's like, "I'm going out there, I'm skating, doing the best I can." And it's basically what he said in the article. He's like, "I put my pads on every day and I do the best I can." And these guys support me 
talk you about his teammates. I, honestly, you know what I think it is? And I, I don't think that's it when it comes to Pat Maroon. I think Pat might be enjoying hometown cooking a bit too much. Think so? I think that, you know, he's probably been living a five-month-long homecoming parade right now. And, uh, I mean, look, dude, he's got a Johnny Londoff deal. And he's got all these endorsements that there's a lot more deserving players that deserve endorsement deals. Again, no respect to, no disrespect to Pat Maroon, but as a hometown kid, he's the most recognizable. I guess. Agreed. 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 So. But, but you know, here's my thing: is you know, I far be it for me to call anyone out on being lazy who's a pro athlete because I'm not a pro athlete. But when you read those comments from Rutherford, you're right. Like those have to have a source, and to me, that tells you that you got a guy who is not putting in the work. And if that's the case, my thought is he's probably spending too much time with his boys and not enough time focused on what's going on. Like I said, that's just the way if you're not trying. I mean, according to what that article says, that makes me ring that he's not putting in the effort and that's causing him maybe not to be live up to the full potential with him, you know, maybe in Edmonton and stuff, he didn't have distractions. Maybe just, I mean, just, that's a lot of, that's why a lot of players don't like to play in their hometown because there's just too many distractions. I think we can, that could be it. Point back to Paul Stasny in that. Paul Stasny never truly, in my opinion, and he played well, but he didn't play Colorado Paul Stasny well. Yeah. So, and he was in the prime. He was what twenty eight, I think twenty eight when he signed here. So, I mean, he was yep. in the prime of his career. So, and look how well he turned it on when he went to Winnipeg. Yeah, and well, you, get, you can all I'll make the devil's advocate argument that he's also playing with like Blake Wheeler and Patrick Lyonet type guys compared well, he to was playing with Vladimir Tarasenko and and he wasn't playing with bad players here. Well, I I, I agree. I'm just like playing, like I said, playing devil's advocate and just saying. So I mean, I, I think that there's definitely something to the hometown element, and some guys can handle it, and some guys can't. And and I think that maybe that's the problem with Pat Maroon. Yeah, it could be. So like I said, who knows if he moves along? We'll see. Uh, a lot of guys. I think it's going to be active today. Uh, like uh, Craig Custance, I think they say Custance. Was uh did his like top twenty trade guys he on the athletic and at number eight was uh Braden Shin, um yeah so that could happen um also but he also mentioned that Vladimir Tarasenko is been out there but the asking price is sky high according to as him. it should be yeah as it should be and that's one of the things that we've talked about for weeks now ever since it became known that he was available or not available but that that Armstrong was listening to all offers, meaning all players. Yeah. So if the deal was there for Tarasenko, Armstrong would consider it, but but it has to be a good trade. Yeah, man. He's not going to let him go for two draft picks and a prospect. Like if you want Vladimir Tarasenko, you're paying for it and you're paying for it handsomely. Yeah, you're going to get like a very good young player on a ELC contract that has high potential and a pick and probably something else too. 100%. Uh, so uh, also just to go with the customs thing real quick, I uh, talked about Petrangelo has names come up in the rumor mill, but it has no trades, so that's not an easy one. Colton Pareko is another target. St. Louis is always a team that is willing to make a deal, set an NHL source. Quite a few players there available. They'll be interesting to watch, according, quote unquote, from uh, that's from Craig Custance article on The Athletic. <laughs> 
So be interesting times coming up in the next two months for the St. Louis Blues. So it let's is. wrap it up. Let's start getting to all the news real quick, news and uh, anything else that comes up. So the Blues obviously got announced that they get the All-Star game next year, which is going to be pretty awesome. Um, yep. So like Chris said, he gets to keep his season tickets for one more year. One more year. So, so uh, All-Star game next year, All-Star weekend. Um, I always love the skills competition. That's my I thing. I, That's my, I, love I love that more than the actual game. It's just It always seems like a very fun thing to watch. Um, I always got together with some buddies. I told Chris's story many times that uh, me and a buddy went to the uh, Kill Switch Engage concert many years ago during All-Star uh, it was the skills competition. Yep. And uh, I had a, a, a good handful or two handfuls full of um, Long Island iced teas sure. and uh, was feeling good. And uh, wound up, took me 25 minutes to get inside my house with a two bagfuls oh, wow. of uh, White Castles with me and my buddy. And we watched the uh, skills competition at three o'clock in the morning, uh, pissed drunk while eating White Castles. So good times. Always, always a good idea. Yeah, it was fun. Hey, I enjoyed it, and it was a good concert on top of that. So you loved it. Uh, yes, she was very happy since we literally were, I think, two months just being married, and she's oh, like, fantastic. And she, yeah, she was very, uh, very happy with me uh, trying to get into the house at uh, you know one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and just laughing in, on my front porch, just trying to figure out how to get in. So good times there. So and, uh, with one forty-eight to go, uh, fan favorite David Perron puts in an empty netter, three nothing Blues. Oh, man. So it looks like uh, things are looking good so far. So let's get into the uh, news, and maybe then Chris can give us a final update before we get out of here. So yep. All-Star Game we just talked about. So this year's All-Star Game is in San Jose, and every year every team gets at least one representative in the three-on-three uh, competition, and it's you know it's broken down by division. And in the Central, the Blues get one representative, and it, of course, is Ryan O'Reilly, who is tearing it up this year for the Blues. He's the yep. only guy really tearing it up. And this will be his uh, first All-Star game ever. So uh, very that nice of insane to me. Yeah, so I'm surprised. Some really shitty Buffalo teams and really, really crappy Colorado teams. Ah, I, I, I take it back. Second All-Star game appearance. Same as an All-Star in 2016. So he was uh, an All-Star at least one more time. Okay. So I apologize there. So I went to click on it and I just took a, took a swing. So – Ryan O'Reilly's there, but the Blues have a chance to get another guy in. Uh, the, so every division has a handful of guys that are in, called last man in fan voting. And Vladimir Tarasenko is the Blues one. So uh, he's up against some stiff competition in that one with Patrick Laine and among some other guys that are uh, really good. So it's going to be – I don't think he's going to get in, but you never know. Oh, I don't either. Number one, the fact that Patrick Laine isn't already an all-star is insane to me. Number yeah, two, so. I can make the argument that there's other players on the Blues more deserving to be the last man in than Tarasenko. Yeah, David Perron being one of them. David Perron being voting. one of them. Yeah. So, like I said, it's the name value more than anything around the All-Star game. So sure it is. You want your big names there. And we will say of that, um, Alexander Ovechkin said that he's going to skip the All-Star game and he will automatically be suspended one game since he was voted in as the captain of his division. So, uh, Didn't he do that a couple years ago too? I think he th – I thought he threatened to do that. And I thought it was other players who did it. I have to do some research. Uh, but uh, I think so, I think some other players did it. I don't think Ovechkin did it a couple. I think – but I know um, he's doing it this year at least. So 
but he says he's just going to rest because they have their bye week very close after that. So the, he'll get like a lot of time off to heal. So he wants to focus on the second half of the season. So Which, I, get, I get it. I do. I get it. I get. I saw some people complain that you say you shouldn't do it for the fans and this and this and this. I, I agree. I, mean, I agree. I agree. I see both sides of it. But I mean, like if he I, I give the guy props that he's putting his team first more than just an individual accomplishment thing. And I understand that my whole thought behind it is it's not like the all-star game is a physical contest. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, and, and I get that you don't need to be in a physical type of thing in order to suffer an injury. You know, you, you can skate and take an edge the wrong way and blow out an MCL. I, I understand that. But I do think that unlike the NFL pro bowl, where players will sit out because they don't want to get hurt before the Super Bowl. That I understand because football, tackle football is tackle football. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. really differentiate. Where yeah. the NHL All-Star game, it's like, come on, man, go do your skills competition. Even if you advance to the finals and win, you're only playing two periods of actual three-on-three hockey. Yeah. I mean, so, you're only, yeah, playing too much, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I got you. So, but we'll talk about another all star. So the San Antonio uh, Rampage get their all star and rookie Jordan Cairo, who had a 12 game point streak going, just snapped, uh, gets it as a 20 year old rookie. So congrats to him getting his first all star uh, minor league all star game appearance. So uh, things look good for him, which is uh, I'm excited to see that he's starting to kind of get things. So he kind of struggled. Started beginning of this year, kind of struggled up with the blues, went back down, kind of struggled to find his game. And it seems like he's starting to find it. So, and in turn, San Antonio is back to being a 500 team. They started, they were four and 12 at one time, four, 12 and three. And they worked their way back up to a 500 team. So props to them for turning things around. And I think that's a final now, three, nothing. It is get ready for the, uh, hashtag bully controversy. I'm going to put it out there now. Controversy. Jordan Bennington with a three, nothing shutout in this first game. I, I uh, put it out there as a, one of the options on our poll today. Uh, if who would, what would happen tonight? I said a win in a goalie controversy, lose a close one, lose by a blowout or screw with the season is over. So the, I'll get the, I'll wrap that up and, uh, give you the final, uh, tally on that one in a second here. So, two all. So both our all stars are done. But we also have a trade, and you're thinking, "Oh man, here, here we go. Blues are finally doing something, and it's a minor league trade." Yes. So they acquire uh, Jared Crow, C O R E A U Crew. I'll say Crew. It sounds better. Uh, basic reports from the San Diego Gulls, which is the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, affiliate which if you remember that's where chad johnson wound up correct uh, so they basically had an extra goalie uh crew had 13 games this year posting a three six and two record with a 3.57 goals against and a 0.9895 save percentage he'll fit right in so uh he won he was on the championship winning team for the ahl uh for the, the uh, calder cup last year so all so right maybe, uh, yeah so He'll provide much-needed depth down there since the Blues were basically shipping Jordan Bennington between – he was playing in the AHL and the uh, NHL. He wasn't playing, but he was backing up, so he's going back and forth a lot. So, funny, since he got the shutout, on Sunday, he shut, uh, Jordan Bennington had a shutout in San Antonio, 3 to nothing, And now on his 
excuse me, Saturday. Uh, uh, now he has officially had his first NHL shutout in back-to-back games. So congrats right. to Jordan Bennington. Uh, a guy who was kind of cast aside once Billy Huso was kind of thought of being the next chosen one. And now we look at uh, Jordan Bennington making a name for himself. So we'll take it. Absolutely. So the Blues have a ball. I'll take yeah, a ball. So, so the Blues, like we said, have a couple of guys coming back. So Carl Gunnarsson finally comes back after missing 20 games. Uh, so the Blues have a fully healthy blue line. So they have eight guys, eight healthy uh, defensemen. They finally decide to send down Jordan Schmaltz, who they've been protecting him because they thought they'd lose him on uh, waivers to another team. And they, I think they did that so much and didn't play him so much. He hasn't played since December 14th. They killed his value because no one wanted him. And he wound up clearing waivers and going down to San Antonio today. So Blues back to seven healthy defensemen. Uh, well, about that. Yeah. Uh, late in the third, I didn't see how bad it was, but it looked like Joel Edmondson took a puck to the collarbone. Awesome. Because Who's... he was on the he was on the ice laying down for quite a while, and then the next shot was him on the bench being looked at, and I didn't really see if he made it back into the game or not. All right, I'll have to check that out uh, and see if we have any updates on more injuries. And right, we thought we were uh, okay there, but now we're trying to get more injuries. So. All right, so I'm going to back to our poll for the uh, day. What do you think happened during tonight's game in Philly? Surprisingly enough, I close it out. Win and a goalie controversy actually won at 42%. Second place, because I love you Blues fans, screw it, the season is over at 34%. The only way this game could have been better would have been if Brian Elliott was in goal for the Flyers. Oh, man, that would have made uh, that made you happy. I know that for a fact. So. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap it up here, I wanted to talk about uh, our last thing. Sammy Blay was recalled today because we need guys. Tyler Bozak got hurt because Tyler Bozak was hurt, so we called, called him. We talked about Steen getting hurt in the first period. Who knows what his status is. It'll be interesting to see what this team looks like in a couple weeks because <laughs> between weird. trades and injuries, who knows? Like I saw somebody said for Steen, you can't trade me if I'm hurt. So True. That's true. true. So not saying her social purpose, but you know, so we'll talk about the last thing that pertains to the blues. Um, the world junior championships happen. It's always a fun little uh, tournament to watch right around Christmas time. Yep. Usually starts around Christmas usually ends about right after new year's the, about the third or fourth of the year. So Clem Costin was the lone blues prospect in this tournament um, compared to a couple of years ago, we had three and four guys. Yeah. So it just tells you how we're kind of developing guys and they're starting to come into their own. So hopefully we start getting some guys that kind of fill back in. So uh, the Russia team and uh, USA played in the semifinals. Costin uh, on four teams, unfortunately lost two to one in a very close game. Uh, he didn't take it especially well. So I want to get your take on this. So I'm just going to tell you everything going to happen. So he was shown on the bench. He was crying and very upset. Um, so he, after every game, they pick like the three players of the, you know, best players on each team. I don't know why, just how it is. And uh, Clem Costum was one of them. So he was the last, he was like the last guy that comes up. He threw his helmet on the ice. I guess they gave him like a watch. He put the watch, went over to the bench, gave it to like a equipment manager and just sat there and listened to his anthem and stuff. And as he was, uh, skating back and it was in Canada they were booing him and they had a nice little uh 
close up of him and, and Clem Costin is learning English very well now. Uh, Cause you can tell him he said F you to the crowd. Did not say F. Lovely. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, he did a very nice long apology on Twitter, which um, that's, uh, he must be learning English very fast then. Cause it was very well written. So I'm taking a, a, a guess that it was written by his agent more than likely, but I will not say he officially on that one. Um, so I want to get your take on what you think. I mean, you've seen the gifts and seen all the little clips. Uh, a guy that he was it seemed like a guy that, to me it seemed like a guy that cares. But I want to see what your opinion is. Yeah, I mean, you know, how old is he? Twenty. Yeah, it's under twenty. So yeah, I think he's nineteen, almost twenty. I mean, look, man, we're we're dealing with kids still, and this is probably his last World Juniors. Yep. And. That's rough, man, because, you know. And he's the captain this time, too, which is a big you, deal. Yeah, when you play in those for as long as a lot of these guys do, you know, anybody who's competitive wants to go out on top. And then when you get to be named the captain of your country's team, that's a big honor. That's a huge honor. And you want to not only make your team proud, you want to make your country proud. And I get it. Now, did he handle it the right way? No, but I get the emotional outburst. I do. Sh- shit, man. I, I, I probably did things not too different than him in high school when I was playing basketball, probably even in college now. But, um, you know, it's, you cannot play competitive sports and not be emotionally invested. It, it, or, or I should say, if you can, then you're not really giving your best because especially in a team sport, there becomes this bond that you get with your other teammates and coaches and staff that, you know, and everyone talks about it in kind of a joking way, but you know, you're playing for each other. And especially if you get named the captain of that team in your final year, like that's a lot of weight, man. That's a lot of weight to carry. And I totally get why he did what he did. I don't condone it, but I get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way of that one. I like not a fan of it, but at the same time, like, man, I think that guy really cares. And that's something that I really look forward to in a guy compared to like how we've seen this season go. And yeah. it seems like we have a lot of players who are making a lot of money <laughs> that don't seem to care as much. Yep. I'm not saying call this kid up and let him play or whatever this season, no. but I'm looking forward to when he does make the team and stuff. Uh, so let's just put it that I way. Do. So. He wound up turning it around and uh, beating the Swiss team, got the game-winning goal, and a 5-2 win. Celebration. Never after he uh, scored, uh, it was in Canada still, and everybody's booing him, and he just put his fingers in his ears and he skated away, which I thought was fantastic. So um, I look forward to it. So like I said, um, I can't wait till he's on the team. Like I'm not saying it's this year, maybe even next year, but when he gets, he'll be there sometime, and I think he's going to be a solid player for us. So I do too. I do so, too. So I enjoyed it, um, but like I said, don't condone it. But I think I enjoy the passion. So agree, like, like you said. So let's go leave it there. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. So uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL, and Chris is at at Hossapalooza. And you can find us on Facebook. It's Blues Hockey Podcast. Same with our Instagram and our website, BluesHockeyPodcast.com and .net. And YouTube, which uh, working on getting content on there, it just seems like every time uh, we kind of have Green Chris kind of an idea type thing, uh, one of us is either 
Chris was out of town, and then I got sick, then Chris got sick, and then so we're coming back, and we have a new idea, a new thing for our next podcast, a little bit different. Uh, we should be uh, doing a, I will say a remote. You want to call it a remote, I guess? Sure. Sure. And uh, we're going to be uh, broadcasting, uh, not live, live the tape, I guess, uh, this Saturday, uh, the 12th. So during the Blues-Dallas uh, game. So we'll leave it at that, and I'll be tweeting out some more details about that. Also, remember to go buy our pretty sweet shirt at on glassbangers.com. Just look up uh, Blues Hockey Podcast. You'll see our awesome shirt there. Uh, they have had numerous specials there. So I think right now they have 25% off for two more days. So go ahead and use that code uh, that's out there. I believe uh, I have to look that up again because it keeps changing it on me every time I remember it. So, but look it up, go to their Facebook page or their Twitter. It's at glassbangers. So uh, anything else, Chris, you got? I think we're good. I think we've covered it all. Yeah. We had a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. And I got a feeling it's going to be like it the rest of the way this year. We're going to have a lot of, interesting news and notes on and off the ice. So, uh, all right. So we'll leave it there and we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya.